Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another phenomenal episode of Cisco Champion Radio where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your friends. Okay, today we are talking about Cisco Private 5G, how it is delivered as a service, and how it eliminates much of the cost and complexity by providing full lifecycle management of equipment and software. With Cisco Private 5G, enterprise IT departments can intuitively operate their own private 5G networks. All right, you know how we do it here. We have some amazing Cisco champion hosts here to help unbox what all of this means. And we also have a deeply knowledgeable Cisco expert. So let's get to it. Jonathan, we're going to start with you. Uh, oh, who are you? Good morning, Amy Lee. Good morning. What do you do? Um, so uh, my name is Jonathan Mahadi. Uh, I am a principal in the network space, specifically around wireless at BHP. Uh, that's within the mining sector. So I work on standards and governance and technical stewardship. And I'm really excited to be here today. This is going to be a really good topic. Excited to have you. Okay, Tim Bertino, tell us about yourself. Thank you, Amy Lee. I am Tim Bertino. I am an architect in the... Uh, network and telecommunications area in healthcare. And I'm also one of the co-hosts on the Art of Network Engineering podcast. So I'm really excited to dig into uh, use cases here today. So ready to jump in. All right. Okay. Well, Ian, glad to have you with us. Uh, can you tell us uh, who you are and what you do here at Cisco? Yes, absolutely. Really happy to be here. I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm the CTO for the mobility group in Cisco. So we are responsible for building out our 4G, 5G packet core technology that we deliver into large SPs. We're, um, we also um, build in a service around mobile IoT for enterprises. And you know, just recently in February, we have launched our private 5G solution. Um, and so all of those you know, have, have a lot of synergies and share components. And we see a lot of the momentum in the industry, especially with 5G going, you know, moving towards enterprises. And I think I'm really excited about this private 5G offering because it really aligns to that, um, to an enterprise, you know, based offering. And so one of the big challenges that I'll be talking through a little bit today as we, as we walk through it is, you know, what we're doing with really with private 5G is, is kind of taking what we've done at very, very large scale SPs and scaling it down for these small enterprises to where we support, you know, tens of thousands of enterprises, each with their own private network. And that's, you know, some new challenge, you know, compared to what we've done with, with these large SPs and some of the, some of the larger public or macro solutions that we've, we've built, but, but super excited to walk through it. And thank you all for joining. All right. So before Tim kicks us off with our first question, is there any background or any additional background you wanted to give us or should we get to it? Yeah, no, I think 
probably to set the stage a little bit on what the solution is, and I'll just hit some of the key points because I think we'll drive it out uh, within the uh, within the discussion. So, um, we you know we've launched a service which is delivered um, as a SaaS to our enterprise customers, and we uh, you know are offering that through a number of different managed service providers that would be responsible for helping us to deploy the solution with enterprises. So the solution, you know, essentially what it allows you to do is to build out and manage um, remote private 5G networks within your enterprise, all using a, a, a common UX console that you can then really simplify the automation, the troubleshooting, and, and the ongoing, you know, operational aspects of the solution in a way that, you know, it really simplifies and allows the enterprise to scale it within their organization. Ian, for those of us that are really new to this space, can you kind of unpack, you know, what specifically private 5G is and kind of compare and contrast that to traditional, you know, public 4G LTE offerings? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question because I think the private 5G is not a new concept and there are actually multiple flavors of it. So, you know, in, in, a, in a large macro network um, with, with, you know, most many of the service providers provide um, enterprise private APN networks. And that's where those macro or public networks, you know, provide a, a special um, APN, uh, you know, an access point name for um, individual enterprises to connect and get uh, differentiated services on that macro network. Um, there's also the concepts, you know, that have been around where DAS and small cell systems are deployed within an enterprise. Um, and, and so that's another technology that's been around for quite some time. Um, but, you know, both those are specific to actually extending carrier coverage into the enterprise. Um, and so even in the even the case where you have DAS or small cells, it's really just extending that carrier um, coverage into the enterprise. And so what we're talking about with Private 5G is actually utilizing the core components of, of Private 5G, which are, you know, primarily a, a radio um, that's, that's broadcasting this other connection, often over, you know, a... a a licensed, um, a, a licensed spectrum that's been provided, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the U.S., for instance, that's CBRS is, is, the, is the most common, but it also could, you know, be other, over, over other spectrums as well. And then with that local radio in the core, all the UE-connected data traffic traverses the, that, that private mobile network within the enterprise, and the, and the traffic exits into that enterprise itself, as opposed to going back over a macro network um, you know, like, like a traditional cellular network. So, the, you know, the big benefits are, you know, security because all the data is kept locally, um, you know, as well as the ability to have the underlying data itself integrate with the broader enterprise network that's deployed within that solution. So it, it, it is a, a, you know, a much different take on what has been done in the past with DAS and small cell, as well as, a, a, you know, a Different in the fact that it's local, um, with with some of the work that's done with private APNs on the on the macro side, but we do see, you know, some of that private APN and and, and private um, networks within the enterprise. You know, they'll they'll have synergies as we move into the future as well. Ian, um, I come from like a telco background originally, and so I know like how complex these environments were. So like when we talk about three G, HSDPA, evolving into four G. And even like private 4G as a as an infrastructure, uh, you know, was very very complicated uh, in the original forms. So how has this been simplified uh, for the deployment for 5G? Um, and what are the kind of technical perspectives that we need to keep in mind when we're deploying this? Yeah, there. I mean, there, there's 
totally agree with you 100%. You know, my background is, is similar in building out a lot of these core network functions that make up these large SP networks. And really what you see is, you know, there's an incredible amount of complexity that's been put into 3GPP, the protocols, how the actual network is built in a way that can support all these different use cases, as well as support scaling across nationwide type deployments. And so when you really think about how you're going to offer this into an enterprise scenario and allow the enterprise to manage that service and, and to, to onboard their own devices, you know, in a way that's simple, you have to kind of cut out all of that 3GPP jargon. All the, all the individual network functions that you would typically deploy are now really packaged up into a consumable core that, you know, provides a set of capabilities that, you know, don't expose all that complexity to the organization or to the enterprise organizations. The second piece is around, again, in a traditional macro network, the scale is, you know, ridiculous. It's, you know, it can be hundreds of millions of sessions, you know, that, that are operating within a network region, you know, ge geographically across, 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 you know, several regions. And so that scale is, you know, you're, you're building very, very distributed systems to handle that scale um, and, and latency requirements. In a private network, you're, you're taking, you know, that simplified solution and you're scaling it out with the number of networks you're supporting, not the scale of the actual traffic. So it's, it's a much different problem statement that you're trying to do as you simplify. And then I think thirdly, the number of, I would say, knobs and parameters that we would typically deploy in a very large scale network can be, you know, thousands of individual, you know, um, timers and knobs and, and configurations that we do to get the system to work. All of that is really simplified down into, you know, a few sets of parameters, really the core ones that the enterprise needs to launch, configure, and, 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 and enable their service to run inside the enterprise. So it's both the configurability, how you configure it, the necessary parameters, as well as how we scale this out, I would say more horizontally across many different enterprises, as opposed to vertically to achieve massive, massive scale within a, within a large operator. Is there a big CapEx and ongoing OpEx cost to this type of solution? Uh, just going, going, going. Think what you know. Think back to the traditional kind of you know four G deployments and um, previous generations. I mean, you mentioned you touched on some great points there around the um, I guess the resource power required to tweak these knobs. I used to read these three three GPP standards, and they were fascinating. But my God, yeah. they were they were complicated. Yeah, um, they'll give so, you a headache for sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyone want some light reading? Do do dive into some of this. Is actually actually quite interesting. But yeah, I, I wouldn't advise it for the. Um, I guess for the noobs, but um, so anyway, um, yeah. What's the uh, you know initial investment and kind of opex can we expect for this? Like, I guess compared to a traditional LTE deployment or similar, and an enterprise deployment. Yeah, so I think there there are uh, you know some some upfront costs around you know bringing in a radio in, into the enterprise, bringing in a, a, a small edge core, but what we've done you know, is really minimize the footprint of that as much as possible. So you can start as small as you want and then scale as you need. So, you know, obviously you could have a minimum deployment with one radio or, you know, a basic small cell sitting within the enterprise. And then the 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 the, the amount of compute necessary to actually provide the, the rest of the network and the management aspects of that, you know, we're, we're you know, deploying into a single RU server that then can be scaled up as necessary. And so that RU server actually provides a fairly reasonable amount of horsepower. I mean, you can get, you know, several gigs of throughput as well as like, you know, 10,000, you know, thousands of connected devices on top of it, but you're not going and, and develop, deploying a whole rack like you would in, in one of these large SP networks. So that's, that's one aspect of it. But I think even more important is 
the kind of the consumption model, which is more of a pay as you grow. So you're starting off with some initial cap, capital investment, but a lot of it comes as you build and add um, throughput requirements as well as SIMs and, and devices onto the network. So that's really how we keep the cost down and more is this as a service model. And then finally, all the management of the um, of that edge network that's sitting in the enterprise, we have you know we provide a full knock that's monitoring the uptime, delivering the software, upgrading the software, make sure it's you know new and bringing in new features, so that that whole process of you know supporting a field deployment is not something that's you know manual and you know is very opex heavy to the to the enterprise organization that's out there delivering it. Yeah, I really wanted to make sure we we took some time on that aspect because I. I think any organization with a solution like this is going to want to understand what what that ownership is. So is the is the organization or the enterprise owning the just the the radios and the hardware, and then Cisco provides the services over the top? What does that really look like with Cisco's private five G solution? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think there's a couple aspects to it. One is you know Cisco what what we're providing essentially is the core, the management, the automation. Um, sim, sim provisioning and, and a lot of these core services that are deployed as part of the service. And we work with a number of international managed service providers, and those can be large SPs. They could be more um, you know, focused on, on just deploying managed services and not have own spectrum, and they'd be maybe using shared spectrum. But their responsibility is to kind of do a lot of the day one configuration setup, um, both the radio and the, uh, and the edge infrastructure, and then once that's initially deployed, then from a service perspective, you know, Cisco operates um, through our NOC and through our SRE teams, operates that, monitors it, ensures that it's it's there. And then we put as much, you know, control back into the that, that enterprise IT organization to do the day-to-day um, deployment of, of, of the service as well as new SIMs and, and the configuration monitoring of that. So, you know, we're, we are... Um, you know, providing that back end, that management operation, and we're working with partners to actually scale out the initial deployments as well as any additional capacity extensions that would be needed on the hardware side within the enterprise. And then the enterprise also has the ability to, to do a lot of the things that, you know, you can't do in a large SP network. So you can, you know, visualize all the traffic, you can set policies and security rules, you can, you know, activate, deactivate um, SIMs and, and, and connect those into devices. So there's a lot of capability that we exposed right back to the enterprise and that's used, you know, all all that's done through a cloud dashboard that then gets um, securely, you know, implemented down into your, uh, into the core that's running within their network. So you touched on management control. Is there integration with existing Cisco products that might be on the enterprise space that that are in use by a customer? Yeah, the the good question as well. So I think from a Cisco point of view, we see, um, you know, private 5G cellular in general as being, an augmentation of an existing enterprise network where they may have a number of wire, Wi-Fi or wired connections or LOR, you know, or other types of access. And we see 5G as a, an augmentation of that as, as a way to actually extend that capability with either additional throughput capacity or, or, or meet other use cases where those other technologies don't fit. So we've, you know, developed this solution where we're, you know, developing it as a, as an augmentation of that network that integrates with an existing network. So Cisco, you know, notably, you know, one of the key areas is around policy and identity. So when you're bringing a device into the network and it and it's connecting over a wire a, a Wi-Fi connection or even a wire connection, we have a technology called the Identity Services Engine that 
authenticates, authorizes that, and provides a single, you know, a single point for the policy and authentication. What we do on the private 5G side, even though there's a SIM authentication that, that occurs, we also integrate with that same ICE system so that you now have a single repository that authorizes the policies for your 5G connections or, or your 4G connections. Because I think, I don't know if I said it before, but the, the private 5G solution that we have supports both 4G and 5G connections. But, but essentially when it then connects, it can use that same Cisco technology as well as the same um, switching enforcement and kind of local policy that's enforced within the, within the enterprise network and um, include that as part of the private 5G solution. So essentially all the capabilities you're getting on the Wi-Fi side then come as well on, on the private 5G side as it's deployed in the network. And that's one example. And then we're also bringing in a number of security uh, security focused solutions. We have a technology called Umbrella, which you know has the ability to do either um, DNS or kind of full security gateway encryption of, of traffic. And so that that is going to be a broad theme. We have two or three areas that we've focused on in, in the beginning to essentially ensure that when we bring private 5G, it can integrate with other Cisco technologies and, and it can be those other technologies can be leveraged for the solution. And then we'll have, you know, more of that to, in our roadmap as we continue to evolve you know, the deployments. So digging into implementation of private 5G for enterprises, and talking about how it can um, really augment existing Wi-Fi networks. Are you seeing customers that are wanting to do that because maybe they have devices that they just wanna get on their own spectrum to, to keep the Wi-Fi clear for other devices or vice versa? What, what are some of those big use cases you're seeing in the enterprise networks? So I think you've kind of hit it on one of them. One of them is where, you know, the, the Wi-Fi, it does very well for many use cases. And, and you know, there's certain areas, whether it be coverage or speed or latency, that, you know, I think, um, you know, a, a 5G um, can, a, a, a 5G access network, you know, can achieve a better, um, a better end result. And so what we see from other customers is, you know, there'll be certain use cases that they'll be deploying on top of a cellular connection, whereas others, they'll continue to operate on Wi-Fi. That's, that's one example. We also see that, as, as just kind of an additional coverage or speed boost within the organization, having another access network to connect to, even for some of the higher density applications, video is a common one where they want to, you know, move their video from the Wi-Fi network onto the private 5G network. Now they can essentially do some of the, you know, the, the network management in a way that they can, you know, segment those types of applications across two physically different networks. And then, as I said, it kind of then, they can bring the security of those two things back together with some of these other applications like ICE that I talked about earlier that, that would, would sit within the enterprise. So just touching on these use cases, right, this is a fascinating area, especially when like the ability to be able to go further, if you think about like linked budget concepts in terms of Wi-Fi and, um, uh, you know, uh, versus license versus LoRaWAN. Um, so like some of the things that come to straight to my mind are asset tracking, uh, you know, and well, specifically access access tracking. Um, so where 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 do you see the use cases for the um, this kind of five G pri private five G service? And actually, on that note, before you even start, I've got my mobile phone here. Can I actually use that? Because traditionally, in let's say you know some pri private four G environments uh, and some public environments, you, you they wouldn't be necessarily enabled for mobile phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, good question. I'll start with the first one, then I'll kind of move back to to the other one. So. On, on the on the mobile phone side, the Apple devices, the Samsung devices, 
you know, there, 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 there's initially been some challenges to get them to configure to be able to be connected to these private networks. We've worked through a lot of that and solved a lot of those problems. A lot of it's in kind of the the SIM profiling as well as some of the the, the services that were assumed to be on like like voice. So th this this is a a data only service that we're launching with with private five G. And so the, the I mean the quick answer is yes uh, that you know we we can support um, a you know for instance a dual SIM environment where you have a you know, a handset that you own and that handset both has your macro coverage over a, a, a large operator as well as has your private 5G on the other SIM when you're when you're working in the enterprise. And so that's that's one configuration model that you could support. And and we use often we use eSIM to actually program the um, configuration of the uh, the private network onto the SIM so that it can connect into that network. Um, but the, I think we're continuing to evolve working with with the uh, device ecosystem vendors to even make that more seamless uh, as we can as we you know really start to roll this out at scale. And then the second okay, I've totally forgotten the second question. It was it was around as, as, asset tracking, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the asset tracking is a good one uh, because it you know it it there's there's the concept of asset tracking that you know may very well be contained within the enterprise. And that's a scenario where, you know, certainly you can use a, a cellular connection to do asset tracking. And, and there's a lot more of the device ecosystem that's being, that's being built to support that as well. Um, but also you see on that particular use case where often the asset tra tracking moves outside the coverage of a private cellular network back into a macro network. And this is where, you know, having both our existing solution that, you know, is out there today for, for macro um, IoT you know, in addition to our private G, you see them coming together in the future where you now have the movement of these devices from private to macro and, and back back together and having that all be converged is, is one piece. We, you see that a lot in, in automotive as well, where you kind of have a, a, a an automobile moving from manufacturing production to, you know, being moved out into a um, into a dealership where it may be updated with with. Uh, updated with new software and eventually then gets handed off to the end user. And so all those different steps are areas where, you know, you're, you're utilizing this private 5G network, but also want to extend into the macro network. And continuing on with use cases and this, uh, this may be an unfair question, Ian, so, so take it for what you will, but do you see technologies like private 5G kind of driving some of the um, end user equipment manufacturers like devices that are traditionally like laptops that are traditionally just Wi-Fi only enabled. Do you see private 5G pushing the needle to have those manufacturers support, you know, 5G bands within traditional end user equipment? I think so. I, I think a lot of that movement is, is, you know, when we think of private 5G there, you can think of this two ways. Am I going to augment the... Um, you know, the, the experience of the end user for their macro cellular, like, like I would with a DAS or a private cellular device inside the network, or am I, you know, more looking to enable my enterprise um, devices and, and, uh, and, and uh, that, that broader ecosystem of devices that are running within the enterprise, which aren't kind of guests or consumers to connect in that service. So a lot of what we're seeing is the latter where, you know, whether it's a video device or it's a, um, it's, you know, it's a, uh, uh, an edge router or, or switch that's connecting a number of access points. Those are all examples of, you know, where we see the, the device ecosystem continuing, you know, evolving quicker is, is to, to supporting these other chips. And I think putting it into a, a laptop, you know, may, may, may come as well. I mean, obviously it's already, you know, there on the, on the, on the, 
within smartphones, but putting on a laptop may as well. But I think it's going to be driven more from the, you know, I'm a, you know, someone in IT or, or you know, per performing a function as opposed to kind of just extending the broad, you know, the broader cellular coverage into the enterprise. So touching on some of these use cases, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, mobility and getting out and about. Um, how does Cisco deploy the RAN piece? Um, is it something that you do dedicated or do you work with partners? And, uh, and is that the same case with Spectrum? How does the Spectrum side of things work? The, on, I think on, on the RAN side, uh, yes, we work with a, a, a set of MS, MSPs or managed service partners. So they would be responsible for working with the customer, understanding, you know, how big, what, what the coverage requirements are and, and helping to install the radios um, and, and as well as kind of the, the infrastructure for our edge core. Once that initial planning and deployment is, is set up kind of at the, at, at, at the day one, then we have management operations to show visibility of, of how that network's working and, and help, helping with the troubleshooting of that. So it's, we work together with a partner to kind of deliver the RAN pieces, but a lot of the you know, on-site um, work that's needed to set up the network, we, uh, we leverage our, our uh, managed service provider partners to go off and do that. And to continue on to um, mobility, so a, a big, there's been a big push of, you know, ease of transition from traditional cellular networks to jump onto Wi-Fi networks for, for people using data as they uh, move about from outside environments to inside environments. And there's this, this open roaming um, movement. Is, is there capabilities of that with Cisco Private 5G where you can integrate with um, other providers to where people can be outside on the street? connected and then move into somebody's facility and jump right on to a private 5g environment the, the uh it's that's an interesting topic so just a, a quick you know background on open roaming so we we've developed open roaming and, and, and i think as you alluded to tim was to allow guests to enter you know come into an enterprise and have their devices over wi-fi get automatically authenticated and the way that works is that the Backend provider that they're authenticating through, and this could be your cellular provider. Like for me, it's uh, T-Mobile in the U.S. They can offer the uh, that authentication as a service, so that um, when you're connected into that open roaming enabled network, I just automatic, um, automatically authenticate. So when you when when you're when we're evolving into private 5G, we're working on a solution where we extend that capability where a private SIM can also authenticate, I'm sorry, a guest SIM can also authenticate in that private network as well. Um, and, and, the, and the way that works is, an example, I think a good example of that is if I'm in a, kind of in, a, in a, a shipyard, for instance, and I, I have a number of vendors coming in to, you know, to, to do work or to deliver their equipment, and I want to give them access, I could enable them, you know, as part of a open roaming relationship, and, and then their SIMs could actually th authenticate as guests when they come into the network and do so seamlessly. And that th that's all configured by a backend authentication configuration with a, a, a whole federation of, of different um, of, of different open roaming uh, authentication authorities. So it's, it is definitely something we see, it's something we're working on. So it's not something we have um, you know, ready yet, but it's, 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 it's going to be, you know, one of the, I think one of the other areas that we're integrating with that broader Cisco portfolio and, and what we do on the Wi-Fi side. Just in terms of, uh, the installation as well, you know, when I think of antennas and access points in general, you know, they can be quite ugly or, you know, they need to be positioned in a, in a way that's, you know, usable. 
Uh, what's what? How how does this compare to like let's say a five, pro five G solution specifically around like antenna installations and and external equipment? Yeah, so 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 some of it will be similar. I mean, you know, they'll we'll have you know continue to have small cells like we've had in four G that will you know be able to, to be supported. But there's a lot more that we're doing around virtualized dis- disaggregated um, you know RAN deployments as well. We have a lighter weight RU connected to a um, a server that sits within our edge core that's providing the the, the rest of the RAN capability within it. So the, I think the big thing is the the different form factors. You know whether it's indoor or outdoor or small cell or distributed, we're going to see more and more of those. And you know I think I, I think you asked a question earlier about the uh, the spectrum support, which I didn't answer. I, I forgot. But you know that that's another aspect of it is is the supported spectrum within each of those different options. Um, you know is is continuing to evolve because. You know what what we support in the U.S. for private spectrum versus what is is being done internationally varies, and so there's different spectrum requirements out there to for each of those international markets that I think you know eventually will become more you know more converged and standardized on a, on a common set of radio. But today, if I'm going to deploy, for instance, a CBRS um, radio here in the states versus you know a private 5G over in Japan um, or Australia. Then you know, the, the, often I'm working with a different vendor or a different radio profile, and so we we've partnered with a, a, a few different radio vendors today, and are continuing to expand that so we can get a broader coverage on the different types of RUs that would be deployed within an enterprise. Um, so just, I, I mean, I, I work in some guiding principles. Uh, in being a wireless person, um, <clears throat> people come to me and say, "Hey, Jonathan, I want some service here." I'm like, "Well, you know, there's there's some guiding principles on this. We uh, cable where we can." Uh, we use wire, uh, licensed wireless where we can't, and then we use cl- uh, class um, class wireless where uh, where we must. Right. So if if nothing right. else is available, right. So, um, you, you know, you touched on um, basically security the security side of things earlier. So yep. usually, usually it's like a continuity of service and security reason why why we want to try angle towards a, a licensed uh, spectrum. So I guess there's two sides of this question again. Apologies. Um, so one is the security aspect can quite quite tricky around the um, around deployment of teleco net, teleco networks. So how easy is that to deploy? And the other piece of, of it is um, around the actual spectrum itself, as you touched earlier. So if I need to go off and set up the service, how do I go? Uh, how do I go off to actually procure spectrum or lease spectrum? So I think on the first point, one of the benefits of, of 5G is that security is built into the architecture, um, you know, as more of a standardized set of capabilities from 4G. So, I mean, you certainly could, you know, do a lot of the same principles within 4G as well, but that's now kind of baked into the architecture with 5G. So, it, it, you know, the, the ability to encrypt, you know, the the, uh, the 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 ways that the different components interact, the authentication and, and inherently a SIM authentication, you know, has, uh, you know, I think more secure principles than, you know, what you might have on the Wi-Fi side, for instance, uh, to be able to, to kind of manage that whole process um, so that, you know, we, we, you know, for instance, we have some capabilities where we can detect if a SIM is moved from device A to device B, you know, in a, in a malicious way and actually, you know, shut that device down because we can, you know, detect those types of things. So there's, I think there's more security built in, you know, on that as well. And then, then when you look at the, the, the security aspects on the license spectrum, you know, I think the benefits there are, you know, in a in a Wi-Fi scenario, I can bring in other you know Wi-Fi access points, for instance, that could you know start to you know can compete with some of the, the spectrum capabilities of, of their other access points, which could degrade my service. 
on the cellular side, you know, with license spectrum, you're kind of guaranteed access to that spectrum and you, and you have that blocked out for you. And, and so you're not worried about third parties, um, you know, uh, dipping into it. In the U.S., we have kind of two models. We have one's more of a, a, a shared general, general availability model where you can get access to spectrum and you use what's called a, a spectrum access server to make sure that you have authorization to use that spectrum um, and then there's also a fully licensed capability, which you go out and purchase licenses for Spectrum that you can use with your enterprise called PAL. And those those together kind of formulate how, how, how it works in, in, in that market. But the, the benefits, you know, around to your, to your point around licensed, uh, you know, give you some of those capabilities to ensure that you don't have other um, competing um, networks out there that might disrupt your your, your service. Super cool. I like the I like the uh, the ability to be able to detect you know the fact that if if a SIM card swaps over or if you know you connect from different um, different device on the service to be able to flag that as a intrusion breach or something similar. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I think it's uh there's there's that as well as you know a, a whole set of tools that kind of that we employ from a Cisco perspective to kind of monitor what that device is doing and make sure that you don't have a rogue device out there sending packets to somewhere it shouldn't be. And, and, you know, that 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 part of it is not necessarily something that's built into 5G, but that's where we bring in that broader Cisco portfolio to, to kind of lock down those devices that are in the deployed in the enterprise. Presume that's some sort of like frame rating and so so forth, you know, like from the previous generations. The, the well, a lot of it's done at the kind of the the, the, the the network fabric level, but some of it's done in the cloud as well. So it's um, it can't cover it all in this session because it would number one we'd have to get someone we'd have to get someone that's more knowledgeable than me on it. Number two, it would take too long. So, but it's there's a lot of different you know components that we bring into that kind of enterprise security architecture that we're leveraging as part of this private five G solution. Yeah, I think the full turnkey solution that that Cisco's offering here is really intriguing because I think it it lowers that barrier to entry because I, I think that there's a lot of potential here that customers, enterprise customers could see, but they wouldn't know where to begin or how to manage it on their own. So I, I think that's a really interesting take uh, from Cisco offering the service. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, that, so we've, we've, I think to, to John's point, we've, we've, there are a number of different private networks that we've been involved in that are deployed out there. So this is private networking is not necessarily a new space. I think what's, What's new about it is, you know, you know, 5G kind of bringing in a, a, a new uh, set of capabilities with Edge on how we can, you know, go do private 5G cloud, being able to go out and do management of that, as well as, um, you know, whole the whole alignment with Industry 4.0 and, you know, the digitization of, of everything within the enterprise. So all those things coming together is where I, I think we see this renewed capability, um, you know, to, to you know, our, our new re- renewed um uh, renewed excitement around private 5G in the market. Just one of the things I was going to say, like Tim, I totally agree with you, and, and Ian touched on it earlier. The compl- you know, I mentioned complexity, and you know, actually having this turnkey solution where we can actually access these technologies is really important because I don't think a lot of businesses realize that the underlying, underneath the hood, um, technical aspects are actually quite complex. Got a number of standards removing that away, putting it under a solution, a single uh, pane of glass that can be managed either by Cisco or partially by Cisco and, and in cooperation with uh, engineers like ourselves is really, really important. Plus, we get to we get to play with new tech, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, definitely some new tech. <laughs> uh, so, so the devices, do they have to be 5G or 
can they be Wi-Fi or 4G LTE? And I hope I answered or asked that question correctly, but I think we wanted to clarify that. Expand on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good question. So everything that I've talked about primarily is talked about private 5G. And when we talk about private 5G, it is really both 4G and 5G capable. Um, both 4G, 5G capable systems are systems. So you, if you have a 4G device that's connecting um, or, you know, that can be supported over an NSA or an LTE type connection as well. Um, we're not doing 3G currently, but we're doing both 4G and 5G on within a single solution so that we can, you know, support both those axes. The, the device, uh, as well as some on the RAN side, the, um, the ability to have all, all of your devices be natively 5G is still a bit early and, and that's, you know, evolving fairly quickly. But, um, you know, I think we would, we would limit our, you know, uh, li- limit the number of use cases that we can, we can handle if we're only doing five, you know, 5G devices. So we're supporting both. All right. I guess with that, uh, we'll close out. This has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Not a big surprise. If you want to learn more about Cisco Private 5G, check out the link provided in the show notes below. And another reminder, you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.